everybody. Hello, everybody. This is Robert Butler and Sports Scope here. Got a much earlier start today on this uh, 26th day of February 2020. Um, apologize to some of my regulars for the early start. Last two days, be very frank with you guys, since Sunday, um, I've had uh, sinus infection, uh, the second one of this season. Maybe the coronavirus, I don't know. Probably should have ordered some Michelob Ultra on Saturday while watching the Tyson Fury fight instead of the Coronas. Just kidding. Um, but, you know, I wanted to talk about Nick Saban losing this top-notch assistant here. Uh, and uh, what is it, Scott? I'm going to say it's got Scott Cochran. And um, what is his name here? Yeah. Yeah, Scott Cochran. 13 years. Been with all six national championships of, um, of Nick Saban's career, including the LSU national championship. I'll talk about the importance of that. Also, uh, James Franklin was extended uh, today. Want to talk about that? Why wow, he's worth it? But first, let's see if I have any. Of course, Joe Burrow and the hand size. I'll talk about that. How that's being overplayed, uh, and, and you know some of the some of your narrative um, sports uh, sports broadcaster, radio talk show host would want to use that, his small hand size, as something, a reason to use it against the guy. So anyways, let me see. Yep, I am recording. Okay. Nobody's came on, but that's okay. The show must go on. I feel terrible, guys, but I'm going to push my way through this. Uh, like I said, sinus uh, congestion, a uh, lot of issues with the health as of um, Sunday. I started feeling bad. But I told myself I was going to push it through no matter what today, all right? But let's start off, you know, on a somber note, Monday was the public eulogy of Kobe Bryant. Uh, I will say this, not only is it one of the more sad stories, um, probably going to be the saddest story of the year. Hopefully, hopefully there's nothing more sad than, than Kobe Bryant and his daughter and seven other people dying in the helicopter wreck. But what I think, and, and I've been listening to this since Sunday, the story of, of uh, the feel-good story of the year has been totally overlooked, and that's Tyson Fury. Uh, you know, that there were more talk about Wilder's, um, his uniform he had when he came in. He was trying to honor Black History Month, and, uh, he complains about how heavy he said it was like 40 pounds uh, and it was over the top. Uh, there was issues with his ear injury, Dante Wilder's ear injury. There were issues with the, um, make sure you guys can hear me here. Uh, whether he's going to fight Joseph or not, jo uh, Joshua, him being Tyson Fury, uh, when, you know, everything was talked about rather than 
and I may have missed something, but I've been listening to a lot of different personalities. And, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, how many, how many stream legally versus e-league. I know Clay Travis brought that aspect of it. And Jason Whitlock is talking about um, Wilder got conned into um, proving his blackness to, to uh, or Wilder got uh, proven his blackness to social media. So they took all those angles and a lot of those people pick Wilder to win this fight. Now I'm only one of the few that picked Tyson Fury in my notes. I was telling some friends of mine that I actually wrote down that he would knock Wilder out in the sixth round, and I thought that would be too hot take-ish. Huge mistake by myself. I should have just simply um, spoke the truth, and if it happened the other way around, just um, own it. I've owned it before when I've, I've screwed up, okay? I've had Georgia winning a national championship a couple years in a row, and they haven't done nothing. But I'll get into that Georgia uh, Scott Cochran story here in just a little bit. But, okay, so Tyson Fury, a guy I didn't know who he was, I'll bet as of Monday of a week ago, Monday of last week, no, nine days ago, I didn't know who Tyson Fury was. This is a football show. But I started watching, uh, buying some of the hype. I looked up Tyson Fury. I've looked at some of the highlights of the other fight. I looked up some old interviews he did with Mike Tyson. This guy was born in 1988. Named His dad's a fighter. He's named after Mike Tyson. And I thought that was really cool. Mike Tyson even interviewed him and thought that was really cool. And they talked about his depression, 100-pound uh, weight gain, uh, Devontae uh, Wilder giving him another shot, uh, giving him 50% of the purse in the first fight, really going out on the limb. This guy finds God, and he comes out Saturday, uh, just puts on a masterpiece of a fight, ends it in the seventh round, the TKO. You know, like I said, he thanks the Lord. And then on top of all that, on top of all that, you know, with, with the two grand entrances, I mean, I thought the, the uh, Wilder uniform was cool, but he complained about it, so it was too heavy. And I thought it was cool for this old soul guy and, and Tyson Fury coming out with a um, being carried uh, like a king by, by four women and playing uh, Patsy Cline uh, crazy. A very old school 1960s song, I want to say. Then after all that, the guy wins in fashion, and he sings this. A long time ago, Tyson Fury. Music used to make me smile. Sing along if you know the words. And I knew if I had no chance, I could make those people dance and maybe they'd be happy for a while. Tyson Fury, everybody. February made me shiver with every paper I delivered. Bad news on the doorstep. I couldn't take one more step. I can't remember if I cried when I read about his widow bride. 
Something touched me deep inside the day. Oh, the music time. All together now. So far, Yes, that's Tyson Fury. Uh, he wins the fight. He, he he entertains us all week in his pre-fight interviews. And then he sings Don McLean's 1971 hit American Pie flawlessly. He even sung the rest of the song. But I didn't want to play too long of a soundbite there. You know, guys, girls, women, men across the United States, uh, this guy is a star. This is a feel-good story of the year. I just talked about his tragedy to triumph. Uh, you know, the guy can sing. Uh, he can make you laugh. He made us cry. Uh, I almost teared up listening to that. I, uh, first of all, didn't get a chance to go watch it at one of the parties at a restaurant uh, took a friend of mine, had to come back here around 11 p.m. Central Time. We we went on and just bit the bullet, ordered it, got a pizza, and watched it. And he's like, man, who is this guy? I said, hey, he's a special guy, you know. Uh, what I will say this, he, he's the most charismatic athlete since Muhammad Ali. Now, a lot of people is going to say that's really a big stretch. But if you listen to his interviews, he doesn't sound like a 31-year-old. He sounds like a guy in his 60s. He, he, he's, he's elegant, he's polished, and he's a boxer, everybody. Uh, I think that this, this angle of the Tyson Fury story has been way underplayed. I mean, just underplayed like nobody's business. And, and like I said, he, he, he backs up everything he says. He went in this ring, won this fight in the seventh round, TKO. A lot of people had him losing this fight. I wasn't one of those people. I was actually pulling back and saying that that maybe Wilder, um, uh, pulling back saying he could be a decision when my first instinct was to pick him to knock him out in the sixth round, Wilder. And of course, it was a TKO in the seventh round. Uh, the other angles of the story, obviously, about the uh, should he fight Joshua? Joshua's the guy who lost to Ruiz. Uh, I haven't watched enough film, but but from watching the Joshua fights with Ruiz, which it was a huge upset in the first fight, and then the second fight, obviously uh, Joshua won. Uh, I, I think Tyson Fury would wipe the floor with this guy, and I think then you know in a reasonable amount of time later, I think he will beat um, the Wilder again. So. Yes, very impressed. Uh, feel good story of the um, of the year for me. I like I said, I know the public eulogies for Kobe cheered uh, me up too. Uh, very hard to listen to it. I mean, I thought it was beautiful what Michael Jordan did in his speech. I like how he threw some comedy in there, and I like how Shaq threw some comedy in there. Those things complement Kobe's personality as if he were in the. Um, as if you're in the room. And I like the realness there. So good, uh, really uh, good story, feel good story to, to kind of 
ease the, the pain and the tension. That pain is never going to go away of the Kobe Bryant family, uh, the father and daughter death and the other people there. Now that a horrible helicopter accident, but this is underplayed. And I made some notes. The sky's the limit for this guy. If he wants to be an actor, if he wants to be the next Dwayne Rock Johnson, I think he could be the next Dwayne Rock Johnson. If he wants to play in comedies, I think he can play in comedies. Uh, if he wants to be a TV uh, personality and call some of the fights, be a regular on ESPN, Fox Sports, you name it, I think he would be that. He, he's just so humble, yet uh, confident, uh, quick on his feet. He's better than boxing. He's above boxing. but And he's also a really sharp fighter. So kudos to the uh, Manchester, England native uh, Irishman, uh, uh, Gypsy, uh, Christian uh, Tyson Fury, how he um, describes himself. Very, uh, like I said, that that story, my, I feel like crap ter- uh, physically. But spiritually, this has really uh, this is this is like a, a B twelve shot for me. I really love this, and I'm, I'm glad that that Devonte Wilder is fine. He didn't bust his eardrum; it was just a cut. And I hope he gets it together. And um, hopefully, we'll see a really good rematch there in the near future. Okay, Joe Burrows. A uh, lot of talk Monday, anybody, that uh, that he's got nine-inch hand size. Uh, that's a big deal, according to the combine people. And, you know, I hate to keep bringing up this guy, Colin Coward's name, but, you know, a lot of these online magazines uh, see him as the best sports talk show host in America, arguably. And... You know, when he makes takes, he, he is a, he's somewhat of a narrative guy. And I know a lot of people in the sports talk world uh, want to be narrative guys. They, they, in other words, they have an opinion and a narrative about a player, a coach, a team. And no matter what happens, they want to defend that to the end. And he, he is this big Tua over Joe Burroughs, guys. I'm not against Tua. But, you know, I saw how accurate Tui is. I saw him play. I saw the big touchdown throw he made in the Georgia game. I saw how great he played coming back from injury in the uh, LSU game in a loss there. But he's also got two ankle injuries, and he has coming back from a hip injury. I know he's going to be fine. Uh, There's some good news at the combine that he's ahead ahead of time, and he's probably going to get drafted. In the top five, probably the top three. But going back to my point about Joe Burrows, people like Colin Coward who like uh, Tua over Joe Burrows want to use this as an excuse that Joe Burrows is, is just a, a flash in a pan, everything lined up. A lot of you, anybody who's watching him since LSU, you can see him trending upward even before Joe Brady got there in 2018. And then in 2019, have a career of a lifetime. So, nine-inch hands. Okay, this is uh, what I got off. This is from Daniel Jeremiah of um, – going through all my notes here, everybody. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Draft, NFL Network. Let's see. 
players who are recently drafted with nine inch uh, hand size that are shorter than 10 inches. Jared Goff played in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Patrick Mahomes, nine, uh, nine and four inches, Super Bowl MVP, regular season MVP. Deshaun Watson, rising star. People like Colin Coward saying he's the best cut. He's the next coming. So all those people, those players, this is just recently. And, of course, Sam Darnold, another guy who uh, Colin Coward thinks is a god when it comes to uh, quarterbacks, his hands are nine inches. So they're under 10 as well. I think that's being way overplayed. And uh, I think Joe Burrow, uh, there's other news out that, you know, he kind of clarified that he would go play for Cincinnati if it all came about that. We'll see how that goes as it gets uh, closer to draft time. Now, for one thing, I read that there's a good chance, there's a very good chance, and plus, it, it, it would make sense money-wise for the Panthers to keep uh, Cam Newton. He's the $21 million cap hit, which is peanuts for a veteran starting quarterback in 2020. Um, maybe Joe Burrow's got wind of that through his agent, and maybe he was wanting to work out something to be traded to the Carolina Panthers. Maybe that fell through. Nobody's really brought that up. But since we're talking about Joe Burrow's, since his name has been in the news, since we have the combine and all that, uh, it's food for thought, everybody. Okay? So I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to get pick number one. Um, Miami's got three first-round picks and two second-round picks. If you're Miami, would you go up for Joe Burrows and Mr. Flores? Uh, probably, because uh, I'm not sure if two is going to fall to me at five. Uh, you still got Detroit at three. You just don't know who's going to jump you if you're a Miami. So it's food for thought, everybody. I'll keep you updated on Joe Burrows. This is another story coming up, switching gears here. Um, another one of those stories where you think, Robert, this is a little bit of a stretch, but let me explain. Hold on, everybody. Let me change out my podcast once I get started. All right, now we've restarted the podcast. All right, now, Monday, Scott Cochran, longtime strength and conditional coach, has been with Nick Saban even since his LSU days, won all six national championships with Nick Saban. He is one of the highest paid um strength and conditioning coach in the college football ranks. I want to say he only ranks behind Iowa's strength and conditioning coach at 725,000. I think he makes uh five between 5 and 600,000 a year. Like I said, been with Nick Saban for 13 years, all the Alabama days, even the LSU National Championship. It's a big deal. There's a loophole there uh because uh, the coaches can only spend about 20 hours a week with the players in college football. These guys get unlimited access, the uh, strength and conditioning coaches. He was hired away Monday, been confirmed by everybody, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, going to Georgia as a uh, special teams coordinator. He's moved up in position. 
Uh, he was regarded as, and I've been listening to Sports Talk all week with Paul Fumbon's show. Someone came on and said that uh, he's a good recruiter, even though he's not a recruiter. And what that means is once they get on, he knows to go to the house calls, but once these players get on campus, he meets up and sells him on the program. Like I said, he has been featured on 60 Minutes. He's a bun, a bundle of energy. He's constantly walking around. If you watch the sideline, Alabama sidelines closely, he's uh, he's got that very heavy Cajun accent. He's from Louisiana originally, hollering up and down the field for three hours. He probably sounds like me every day using his voice like that. So, yes, it's a big deal. There's a Sports Illustrated article last April. This wasn't too long ago by Andy Staples. Uh, the title was Jacked Up, Why Strength and Condition Coaches Are the Heart and Soul of Modern College Football. Uh, Oregon pays their guy, strength and conditioning coach, 200000 a year. I mentioned the $725,000 a year for a guy that, that's spotting you and, and, and your strength and conditioning coach. Uh, but like I said, these guys get unlimited access to the players, so it's a loophole, okay? And then, of course, uh, Clemson plays their coach, 600000 And um, like I said, this guy makes almost 600000 himself, or he did with Alabama. So uh, my the biggest issue of this is uh, Nick Saban losing another assistant. Uh, I talk, brought this up in the Art of Coaching documentary between Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. Saban personally throws up the fact that he thinks, uh, or Bill Bella, uh, he, he said he mentioned Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. He mentioned Kirby Smart at um, at Georgia, and, and saying, you know, I never, I never took anybody with me, you know, Bill, uh, far as assistant. So he was really annoyed. Bill Belichick agreed. He does not like when a when when an assistant coach. A coordinator gets another job and then has to uh, – and then takes other coaches on the staff and making him – his thing is go out and recruit somebody else's coaches. Don't take the coaches that I hired around you to help me out. And he's very irritated. Uh, like I said on Twitter and I put out there on social media the other day, uh, these guys are not going to be exchanging uh, Christmas cards anytime soon. Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. So – my thing is Nick Saban is very frustrated. I think his time is limited at Alabama. I think he's got a few things that he wants to accomplish, okay? Uh, by the way, I did some research the other day. Nick Saban uh, has got six national championships. Bear Bryant, the guy he's trying to catch, has 323 wins to Nick Saban's 248. And, yes, I Googled this the other day. Uh, Bear Bryant has seven national championships. Yes, that is uh, correct. Bear Bryant has seven national championships. Now, a lot of people, your Paul Feinbaum's of the world, will say Nick Saban is still considered a better coach than Bear Bryant because of the scholarship limitations that college football coaches have now. Nick Saban is a, is a strong Bill Belichick type of A personality, behavior person. He don't buy that. He does. He wants to be the undisputed heavyweight champion of college football coaches. So my thing is, 
His, his current deal is up in 2025. He has got to be irritated to no ends about constantly losing coaches. He's lost one of his longest tenured assistants in Scott Cochran uh, to Georgia. And like I said, uh, very irritated with Kirby Smart, Jeremy Pruitt of Tennessee and uh, uh, Georgia head coaches there. Uh, so I was looking back at it, and, and my prediction is Nick Saban, he wants to get that eighth national championship. He wants to win two more national championships, and I think he's going to walk away. This is his words, not mine. He don't want to coach when he's just bad. He does. He hinted around that he doesn't want to be a Bobby Bowden. He doesn't want to be a Joe Paterno at um, at Penn State. So it's 2020 now. He have five years left. Okay. Also, duly noted, he's got Bryce Young, number two overall prospect according to 24/7. 24/7 is a combination of all the recruiting services together, and it it uh, th this is a dual threat quarterback. Uh, this could be the next big thing for Saban. Saban has had top three classes the past three or four years. He has talent. He just doesn't dominate. He doesn't have the number one class every single year like he used to prior to prior to Kirby Smart going to Georgia. The flip side, uh, I said maybe, just maybe, if Jeff Fromm, when he leaves, does uh, the players get turned off by Kirby Smart's system? No. They have the number one class in the country. They still have a window. Uh, they got a new quarterback transfer. I can't remember his name. And, of course, they got a new offensive coordinator at Georgia. So their window hasn't opened. Uh, Georgia's going to be a tough out for Saban going forward. Uh, remember, Ole Miss has uh, Lane Kiffin. He also tried to hire Terry Cochran, the uh, strength and conditioning coach, for um, the four from Alabama as well, if you guys remember that, uh, you got uh, was it Mike Leach up at Mississippi State? LSU's is coming off a national championship in the East. You have Kirby Smart, Jeremy Pruitt's coming off of a really good season, good recruiting season uh, for Tennessee. Uh, you got Dan Mullen at Florida. There's simply no easy routes for. Nick Saban, okay, this is going to be very difficult. My uh, prediction is he's going to he's going to play he's going to work out this contract that comes to uh, for to 2025, and he's going to try to get them two other national championships in the next five years. Can he do it? Absolutely. He's banking on this. My prediction. I'm just saying he's banking on this Bryce Young guy to be a star at the Sean Watson type of player. He's a number two overall player. He's a dual threat quarterback is what college football has nowadays. He's got Steve Sarkeesian still as his offensive coordinator. Uh, but he, I think he's getting frustrated with losing all these coaches year in and year out. And then the coach always takes two or three more assistants with him. He's made that public. He doesn't like that. And um, I kind of don't blame him there, but then again, um, I don't think he should have a cow over. This is Nick Saban. He's real hot tempered. He, he uh, uh, like like Bill Belichick, a close friend. He's ticked off for greatness. I would. Hey, next profit man. Sorry everybody. I apologize for having to start early. Uh, I've been sick as a dog since Sunday. Sinus infections. Didn't want to do the show today, but I'm gonna do it anyways. 
uh, if it killed me because I want to talk about this stuff. That's why I made up do it the last two days, working 12 to 14 hours. And I did a little bit of work Monday, did a little work Tuesday, my prep work. And I want to get this in as fast as I can so I can uh, take some Benadryls and some ibuprofen and I'll call you guys in the morning. You see what I'm saying? So, uh, but going back to Nick Saban. Now, well, you know, here's the thing. You know, I, I, I saw that last night and I want to make this clear to everybody. Just because I like Zion, uh, John Morant over Zion Williamson doesn't mean I don't like um, Zion Williamson. I'm not saying he's a bust. I'm just saying I like John Morant better than Zion Williamson. Um, I like, um, you know, Akeem Olajuwon in 1984 was a number one overall pick. Do you know who the number three overall pick was in 1984? In the NBA, he did the he did the usually, yeah, I know, he, he's having a great rookie year. Uh, it's good for the league. If I'm wrong, yeah, yeah, he's having a fantastic rookie year in those 13 games. He's been hurt in college. He's hurt here. Uh, and a lot of those hasn't translated to wins. John ja Morant is taking a team that has does not, nowhere near the roster of a uh, New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, someone asked me from my uh, um, uh, uh, podcast and Facebook audience about Zion Williamson, John ja Morant. Uh, I don't like – it's not like I dislike Zion Williamson. I think he's going to be a really great player. I just like John Morant better as of today. If I'm wrong, uh, but I'll, I'll tell you what: if if he gets into the playoffs over the Memphis Grizzlies, the way he's playing, he would get my Rookie of the Year vote. And I'll say I was wrong up to this point. I'm not one of these narrative guys, uh, next prophet. Not like your Colin Cowards of the world, just to name somebody. But anyways. Um, yeah, I'm glad he's doing good. It's good for the league. You want more players to pop than bust. We need more, uh, whatchamacallit, in the, um, we need more parity in the NBA. We need as much parity as we can possibly get. It's good for the league. So anyways, okay, going back to Nick Saban. His deal ends in 2025. He's got this Bryce Young kid coming in. Number two overall prospect, number one dual threat quarterback. He's a true freshman. In Mick Saban's mind, he's wanting to win two championships out of three years with this kid, and I think he's going to walk away in the sunset. Uh, he's going to walk away from coaching because he's tired of losing these players. Like I said, those of you who jumped on, he lost Scott Cochran, his strength and conditioning coach, one of the most important positions in college football, everybody. Yes, yes, he's from L uh, he's from uh, Louisiana. I don't know if he's an LSU graduate. Yeah, that's news for me. But the way he talks, got that very heavy Cajun accent. He was featured on 60 Minutes. This guy's no clown. Uh, Saban is seething underneath. He's trying to be politically correct on TV. He's calling Kirby Smart, the Georgia coach, everything but his name. There's no Christmas cards there. But my thing is, after 2025 or – the second national championship in the next five years, whichever one comes first, Saban walks away. He goes. He got. He he won ups Bear Bryant. He gets eight national championships, and he's going to be regarded as the greatest coach of all time. Uh, which Bear Bryant's also Alabama coach. That's my take on Nick Saban. I, this is a big deal. This is not me overstating this. 
This guy's been with him, even the next profit, even with the LSU championship back in 2003, Scott Cochran's been there. But my thing about Scott Cochran, if you wanted to move up in the ranks, why did you wait this long to want to be a special teams coordinator? 2024. See, that's my thing. This guy is a competitive person, okay? He's ticked off for greatness. He wants to get eight national championships. He always talks about his losses more than his wins. In life, we learn more from our losses than our wins. So my thing about him, he's going he want to get that eighth championship, which I think he can. Uh, he's still recruiting at a very high level. Bryce Young, number two overall prospect, number one dual threat quarterback. Teams of dual threat quarterbacks win a national championship. So keep an eye on that. Nick Saban's days are numbered at Alabama. Alabama fans, uh, enjoy them while you last. Uh, all these boosters for Alabama, you guys got to be looking forward here. Yes, Breeze is coming back. Yeah, that was uh, announced, uh, I think, a week ago. Yeah, he will be back. Um, but as far as uh, Alabama people, go after Dabo Swinney. Put the money back now uh, in the next three to four years. Uh, the buyout is going to be much less in the next three or four years than it is right now. Okay? All righty, then. And speaking of coaches, uh, there's other coaching news that came out today. James Franklin of Penn State. Um, Bruce Feldman. Let me see if I can find this here. Uh, okay, Bruce Feldman reports James Franklin has a new six-year deal with Penn State, $5.4 million. First year goes up to six point five. million. The buyout starts at $5 million. Uh, he is 41-11 and 11 since 2016. Only Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban, guy I just talked about, have a better winning percentage. Um, I know that uh, James Franklin has had his – uh, mishaps. I know he's had games where he has um, underachieved, but you got to look at what he's playing against. Uh, by the way, he beat Urban Meyer, uh, something Jim Harbaugh cannot put on his resume uh, as a Michigan coach, and he has won the Big 12 championship, like I said, since 2016, best winning percentage other than Dabo Swinney and Nick Saban. Only thing missing from James Franklin is a national championship. Uh, he's putting out great players. Remember Saquon Barkley a few years ago, the number two overall pick. Uh, Urban Meyer, he beat Urban Meyer. Now, Urban Meyer is out of Ohio State. And another stat I wanted to put in on him, um, it seems like the last few years – Yes, he has been very disappointed. I've been a hardball apologist, uh, but he has not recruited the, the skill level of athlete that Ohio State has, even though it looks close on the rankings, but not on the field. Maybe he needs to get a better strength and conditioning coach. Talking about Jim Harbaugh, everybody. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh. Overall, Penn State. Six years has a higher winning percentage than they did at Vanderbilt. Uh, this being um, James Franklin, 50, a six, a 79, 
56 and 23, a 709 winning percentage. Uh, just just an unbelievable record there, considering the competition. Considering the competition for him, I think that was really good. Like I said, he's two and three against um, Jim Harbaugh. He, he he beat Urban Meyer, and quite frankly, who's to say that he won't win the Big Ten this year? You know, I know Ron Day's doing good. People are talking about giving him an extension and all this. He's still playing with Urban Meyer's players. He's done a good job last year. Yeah, yeah, Georgia with their strength and conditioning, they had the number one class again this year. Uh, Ohio State's got Justin Fields, a Georgia uh, transfer. But James Franklin, uh, there was a stat and I couldn't find it, but I got it memorized. Three out of the last four seasons, this guy's won 11 games. You know, against Wisconsin, uh, Ohio State, uh, Michigan. Remember Kurt Ferenz, Iowa? He's no slouch. A lot of good Iowa players. By the way, anybody ever heard of George Kittle? Uh, sensational player in a San Francisco tight end. He was an Iowa product. Iowa's putting out some really good players. Uh, James Franklin is is um, he's doing really well. Yeah, yeah. LSU is um, hard to see what's going to happen now that Joe Brady's left, and of course Joe Burrows is going to be playing in the NFL. So we're uh, they, but you know Ed Orgeron's known for his recruiting. He has made some adjustments. I'll give him that, but. Like I said, James Franklin, uh, I'm okay with him getting the extension there. Who are you going to replace him with, Penn State? Like I said, uh, he's lost some games he shouldn't have lost. Uh, losing to Pittsburgh, I know that's a um, – they Pittsburgh don't have the talent overall. Now, Pittsburgh had some players come through there, don't get me wrong. But overall, they've, they, they've never had the talent as a roster of a Penn State. I'll give you that. Uh, Pittsburgh's had Aaron Donald. uh Players like that, I want to say they had another big-time player. Daryl Rivas went to uh, Penn State. I want to say LaShawn McCoy went to Pittsburgh, excuse me. But that being said, uh, Penn State is in good hands right there. Big Ten is just a good conference, everybody. I'm telling you. But we're going to see about Ohio State next year. But uh, like I said, Nick Saban, going back to that, I think his days, yeah, Tony Dorsett, he go to Penn, yeah, Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh got some players, man. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, first ballot Hall of Fame receiver, went to Pittsburgh, too. Don't let me forget that one. Uh, Darrell Rivas was, was the best cornerback of his era. Uh, Rivas Island uh, went to Pittsburgh. Uh, but like I said, still Penn State, Saquon Barkley. Penn State's got the linebackers, a uh, good pass rusher, a good tight end that went to, uh, I want to say, Play for Dolphins. Uh, I can't remember his name, but um, but anyways, uh, I like that. Um, I like the fact that he's staying. Uh, I'm going to keep my eye on. Um, yeah, I don't know who that is. I know they had a defensive end that went to Kansas City for a number of years as well. But anyways, just to recap everything, everybody, a star is born with Tyson Fury. Everybody's talking about rebatches and Joshua. This guy is if he if he chooses to and he keeps his emotions in check, uh, he had some like I said the, the mental 
mental health issues, depression problems. Uh, long as he keeps keeps balance and, and he's married guy now, uh, keeps all that in check. This guy, the sky's the limit. He, he, you know, Mike Tyson himself, who he was named after, by the way. Uh, Mike Tyson, the head case. I think that um, Fury is um, long as he can get the proper care and keep his balance up. I, I think he'll be fine. But this guy, Mike Tyson, the interview, you guys can look this up. It's on YouTube. He said, man, you could be a movie star. I could see uh, Tyson Fury playing in like a modern day Predator movie or, or a Rambo. Remember Sylvester Sloan in his 80s movie. Some of, you, some of my older uh, audiences will know that. He's just that charismatic. He's got that cool accent. Uh, makes people laugh, make you cry. He can sing a little bit. He could sing in the movies. Uh, it's just a really talented guy. You know, I was really impressed. Totally played the $80 to order that fight. And, and just, it could, uh, man, he, he entertained me, everybody. I tell you, it was definitely worth it. And uh, like I said to me personally, it's a feel-good story of the year. And I think it's being underplayed. I'm not going to, you know, let it slide. Yeah, uh, yeah, it went seven. Uh, I wrote down in my notes on Saturday's program that knockout for Fury in the sixth round. Thought that was too hot takeish. Next profit, so I just said Fury would win the decision over Wilder. Uh, Fury was much the superior boxer. Uh, looked like a a tad bit slower version of Ali, not quite as cut, and he's the most charismatic fighter since Muhammad Ali. Sit. I don't say he is uh, Astros cheating. Uh, you know, uh, next profit, I will admit when I'm wrong, I overlooked that story. Uh, now, this is a football story, but it's something big. I overlooked it. Um, I do think it's wrong. Uh, I'm glad that the people got fired. I don't know. Do you want to put an asterisk spot? If you want to put it in the record books, for, for, for that's okay. You can put an asterisk spot. I don't know about suspending the team for a season and all that, taking away the trophy. Um, I'm not sure about all that, but either way, it is a bad thing. I like the fact that these guys have been suspended. Uh, I don't know if you should go any farther than that. The general manager, the two managers were suspended. Uh, it, it's a black eye, but I'll tell you what, though, Major League Baseball, it, it gets mocked a lot, and I'm one of the mockers because I think they, they, they don't want to make it faster. They don't want to progress the game forward and with the times, but I will say this. I will say this. They're very strict about PEDs and steroids. They're suspending people for a third, a whole season. I think once they do come down, they, they put Pete Rose banned for life. Once they do come down, they lay the hammer down on you. And I'm okay with that. Now, Pete Rose, um, I think that his his name is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, quite frankly, Mr. Manford, he wants to make it right with everybody. You can put Pete Rose in as a um, um, as a player because he didn't get caught cheating as a player. He got caught gambling, excuse me, gambling as a manager. So I'm okay with that. I know he's getting older. Was he in the 70s? He's pushing 80 years old. I wouldn't be. I'd be okay with putting Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. And I, I just kind of let it be with Houston for right now. I think that. What's done is done. You got managers. You got people suspended for a whole year. I think you just let it be at that and read the riot act. 
Yeah, Clemens is Clemens is a great player. I mean, even Barry Bonds and Clemens would have made it to the Hall of Fame, even if they didn't do steroids, everybody. They just played a little bit longer. They turned into Superman. It makes a it makes an average player a good player, a good player, a great player, a great player, Superman. A great player meaning Barry Bonds and and uh, Roger Clemens for my uh, pair uh, for my uh, audiences here on the, on the uh, podcast and Facebook. Someone's asked me about the baseball stuff. So, anyways, everybody, uh, I'm going to have to get off here. My throat's about killing me. I will be back on Friday. We'll talk about whatever's popping. Probably something at the combine. We'll see about that. Have a good night, everybody. I will see you back Friday, probably around normal time, give or take a few minutes, 11 p.m. Central Time here on Sports Scope. If you want to advertise on the program, you can always reach me. Just Google Sports Scope. You can find the email sportsscope at gmail.com sports sports words s-k-o-p-e uh you can find me on twitter at uh, r butler 723 but of course you just go to sports scope inbox me there the podcast is on anywhere you want to hear your podcast have a good night everybody see you friday